This podcast is proudly brought to you by the McLaren Vale Grape Wine and Tourism Association, supporting growers in the McLaren Vale wine region. Hello, welcome to Crop Watch with our first update for Vintage 2024. Today I'm joined with agronomist and grape grower Jen Petter. Hi Jen. Hi James. Now we are starting out our year by going to a, um, a workshop. So we've just had a presentation from Nick Dry. Um, Nick Dry's got Foundation Planning Service, his consulting company. Um, but he uh, is probably most known to the wine industry for his work as the Lumber uh, nursery manager and also for his great work on rootstocks on behalf of uh, Vine Health. Correct. Now, I think he showed he showed a really really cool uh, tip on using the um, website uh, of metal results from the Australian Alternative Varieties Wine Show. Do you want to explain how he used that? Yeah, I guess um, he was sort of suggesting. Uh, to people in the room that if you are looking into um, alternate varieties, um, into planting them, uh, that you could use the um, alternate varietals wine show as a um, as a resource. So looking at what has done particularly well um, in our region and, um, you know, as a, as a region coming together with those growers that are the growing and um, these varieties that are performing well, just talking to them and um, finding out you know what's done well why is it done well what are the challenges um just any sort of uh things to um, factor into your decisions so i thought that was a good pro tip that he basically just put a filter on for mclaren vale and said here's the here's the what's been winning medals in the last 10 years yeah using their using their data and so if we were to you know go to the yarra valley we could conceivably plug the same thing in and have a different result yeah yeah, and know about it. So um, I thought that yeah, that was a great little hack. He also showed the um, Rochado uh, website, which is their, uh, for want of a better word, we'll, we'll call, call them a Chalmers Nursery or a um, Lumber Nursery yeah. Vine Improvement Analog in in Italy, but it was translated in English. Um, so that was great. <laughs> uh, that was uh, I didn't know that existed. So that that had basically broke down the characteristics of, of um, the different varieties that you might be interested in and presented them all in a like little you know, drought tolerant, heat tolerant, just gave you some traits on them. Now we're going to go off to the second part of the uh, presentation now. We got, we, got, uh, we got a field visit, you might hear the wind whistling past us as we go just on cue. Yeah. Um, so we'll report back on that. Okay, Jen, so we've just had a look at the, the second part of the presentation. Uh, obviously, both you and I, are, are, we're sort of technical agronomists, so we uh, deal with the problems and the pests and diseases of vines. Um, and a lot of today is about what you do to change vineyards over. So, so part two, we were actually having a look at reworking. So do you want to describe um, what they've done to the vineyard? Yeah, so we're looking at the... Uh Stump Hill Vineyard at the Visitor Centre. Um, so this block was in pretty uh, severe decline, uh, a lot of utipa, a lot of uh, mechanical damage, um, so lost positions um, resulting in, you know, loss of pro- productivity. Uh, so they've uh, reworked these vines, 
Uh, some of them were done two years ago, some were done three years ago. Uh, so that just sort of really involves um, chainsawing off to a level below where you can see Utipa in the trunk um, and painting the, the tops just to stop any further infection into those trunks and then many, many passes of retraining these um, shoots that have come from the trunk area. Between, yeah, yeah. The ground. And you could see the main problem that people are getting when they rework blocks is that you have a situation where the vigour of the vine as it grows back is far too strong. Um, so it creates uh, large gaps, downward facing spurs, um, and we've seen a lot of that in this vineyard. Yeah, so there's been um, some pretty healthy discussion in the group today, which is really good to see. Um, just sort of saying, you know, step one is really training the vine, getting it up to the wire and getting your, your new cord on. But that's just the really, really the first step. You really do need to focus on um, your spur positioning and downward facing spurs. Ideally, if you can, knock those buds out because in, in the long run, they're the ones that, that will break off first and um, potentially cause large wounds that, you know, may be uh, more susceptible to disease in the future as well. There's, there's a good turnout. There's about 40 growers here. So that's quite a lot to see in one place. Um, it does show that a lot of people are dealing with uh, the same common problems about what they do with, with blocks that are Shiraz, perhaps not so much in demand and, and have a lot of Utipa in them. So this is a pretty typical uh, example of a vineyard that's got a problem. Um, I find this vineyard quite interesting because it's only, I think it's only 1998, 99 planted. So it's not a particularly old vineyard and yet has got to the end of its economic life quite quickly. Mm-hmm. But what, what they're doing here yeah, is to try and really give it another five, ten years of, of production. What do you think the crop load would be off this, being that it was re- reworked, um, some of it's two years ago and some of it's three years ago? Um, looking at the arms here, there's still quite a lot of um, unproductive areas. Uh, and I think that it's yet to be pruned uh, for this season, but I can see they've done some uh, laying down of arms just to um, negate that those losses. Uh, so it's still a work in progress. I think that one thing that if this was my vineyard, I, I would definitely try and uh, drop the foliage wire down and actually lay some rods on this. Because I look at it and think, hell, I think it's only got a couple of potential for maybe five to eight ton to the hectare mm-hmm. if, if they just leave as a single cordon and I think that might be part of the problem that they're that there's not the spur load on this block it's just going to be growing vigorously mm. so that's a little thought I had yeah. especially if you had a, had a sale for it but also I think agronomically there's nothing worse than getting vines into a vegetative cycle you need to keep them productive you need to keep crop load on them because otherwise you just end up growing leaves and shoots yep well, now we're going to move off to, to part three, which is we're going to talk about actual grafting. So that's making the making a varietal change. Okay, so through the miracles of, of technology, it's only been a few seconds for you listening, but um, for Jen and I, we've been off and watched uh, a presentation from Clint Ledgard on, on grafting. Um, you know, I must say it was a very impressive um uh, impressive presentation from Clint. Um, certainly, uh, he really just gave us a lot of really good practical tips. Um, I guess the first thing that he started talking about was planning for grafting and, and uh, how important that is. 
Yeah, so um, Clint gave us a really good timeline of events. Um, I guess the most important thing is if you are planning on re reworking or, or grafting, you really do need to plan, you know, at least 12 months in advance. Um, and really just starting with uh, getting good stock. Um, so clean stock, virus free, uh, through your vine improvement or um, various nurseries. Yeah, and we, yeah, we, we're aware of blocks that have uh, the GVA virus. Um, GVA virus is grapevine vitivirus A. What is uh, a difficult, um, what's the difficult, difficulty with that virus is that in a white grape variety, that virus has no symptoms. So for example, in a Chardonnay vineyard, you can successfully crop that site. It can be 25 years old. You've literally never seen any virus in it. Mm. But when you go and graft to a sensitive variety on top, you, you get expression of the virus. And, and GVA basically blocks up the phloem of the phloem of the vine and really leads to vine death. They, they decline within two or three seasons and, and basically die. So it was really important that if you if you are grafting that you get clean material you can't get backyard material um, you have to know that it's clean and it's very important and clint was just stressing that that they won't do any grafting unless you get a virus test done on, on your on your rootstock and your and your top stock absolutely yeah um, we, we've seen people you know, unfortunately get gva and, and really you gotta pull the pull the vineyard out rest it yeah yep. rest it I guess next um, we sort of talked about the actual practicalities of um, of grafting. So Clint had some um, buds that they'd, they'd cut from the their stock, and just showed us you know the process of. Oh, actually, sorry, I jumped ahead. Um, debarking was the next important one, James, wasn't it? Yeah. So he stressed that you hey got to uh, basically strip the bark off. Firstly, it's a it's a practical thing. It removes it removes. Um, it removes sort of uh, sites that insects can live in just to, just to help with the, the cleanliness of the vineyard, but also it's practical because it makes the process of grafting a lot easier. That's right. Yeah, and then we went, went through the actual yeah, practicalities of, of grafting and taping, uh, and then the sort of aftercare. Uh, there's quite a few handy tips that um, Clint talked through. Um, so the wrapping and then going back to check um, the, the graft and if you, uh, seeing sort of water um, coming out from the graft, like pushing on that graft wound, wound site. If you're seeing um, water coming out of there, it's sort of known as bleeding. Uh, and did you want to talk about the process? Yeah, yeah. That? So um, that the, to prevent bleeding is one of the reasons they recommend a graft between when you when you cut the trunk of the vine. They recommend that you know having four, a four week break. Um, to sort of like let some of that bleeding occur, let some of the fluid and sap flow go through the vine. Um, but also that there's many occasions when they recommend cut, making a little cut below the below the bud to, to draw off some of that excess um, fluid. That's right, yep. Stop the, stop the bud from, Clint calls it drowning, saying stopping the bud from drowning. But I guess it's saying that too much sap flow put here will physically push the... You're never gonna get that lesion of, of the bud wood onto the um, onto the vine. So yeah, just getting, allowing the vine to, you know, expel that water somehow. 
then then after that there's obviously something we know a fair bit about which is insect control about how absolutely vital it is to have good insect control when you've grafted the the bud itself is so sensitive to having insect damage that's right um, so e yeah earwigs earwigs are pretty common um and we not don't get so concerned about having a bit of earwig chewing um but Kukulio weevil is the number one pest of grafted blocks. Yep. There was a really great question from someone in the audience um, about organic options for um, an insecticide because Clint was sort of suggesting, you know, he doesn't really like using insecticide sprays, but he, he will typically do a routine um, insecticide spray just to get rid of all those um, weevils or potential because you know you've invested so much money so far that you really do need to um, take care of the care after care um, but yeah James did you want to expand on the organic options if yeah yeah I mean really I think you have you have two options if, if you're in a if you're grafting an organic vineyard um, one is that you can apply for um, dispensation to use a pyrethrum insecticide um, so check with your certifying body if, if they will allow that. Um, the other option, and it isn't, it isn't a silly one, is actually to take the organic status away from the non-bearing block that you've grafted, allowing you just some freedom if you do have to deal with some insects, um, and then put the certification back on once you come into bearing. Now, you, it, that is a process and you will lose a little bit of time having the, 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 that fruit won't be organic initially. You need to go back in for another two years to get it certified. But it may, it may not be a bad option for people just to, just to take it out, give themselves the freedom to do the process outside of an organic certification body and then, then go back in. Yep. And then I guess the next, the next points were really, um, you know, pummeled in just sort of saying you know the aftercare is just so important um so the the training passes it's almost like once you've done a training pass you might get to the end and have to have to start again because they're just growing so quickly um and if you let it get away from you it can sort of cause you know a lot of tr a lot of trouble so just um factor that into your budgeting so i, I know personally we, we usually factor in about five passes over a season uh, it's probably a good rule um maybe you know estimate a little bit more than what you think you might need just so you you know you've got those funds available and you can manage it and so yeah it's look it's tempting to see grafting as being a solution to, to changing your varieties quickly going from you know going from in you know out of demand varieties to in in demand varieties but yeah really it's not something you should do on a, on a whim it, it's a it's at least a year-long planning process to at make least, sure you've got yep. the good material virus clean and then also just to really make sure you've got your, your process lined up. Um, you, you can't make a decision now in late, in late winter and go, yeah, I'm going to graft this. Yeah. You, you'd really, you'd really be, be saying, well, no, I've got to do this for 2024, 20, 25. Yep. You just, you've got to give yourself the lead time to do it properly. That's it. Um, yeah, look, look, this was a great, this was a great um, workshop. Um, this was put on by McLaren Vale Great Wine and Tourism. Um, if you're... Uh, wanting to get invites to these these workshops you can um, email Jody Armstrong at grower at mclarenvale info sorry say that again grower at mclarenvale.info you'll get direct to her I mean obviously if, if you're getting um, if you're getting things like crop watch mclarenvale or 
um, links to this this podcast, you can um, you can basically message her back through that and sign up and get invites to these uh, Wine Australia um, and also McLaren Vale Great Wine and Tourism workshops. Jen and I will return. Um, we are going to uh, have a look at what we th- seasonal predictions um, as we go into the season. So good luck, and you'll hear from us in a couple of weeks. Thank you. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the McLaren Vale Grape Wine and Tourism Association, supporting growers in the McLaren Vale wine region.